Blog Talk Radio. And I Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Help for HD Live. Help for HD Live is brought to you by Help for HD International and is made possible by an education grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and our sponsor, the Griffin Foundation. I am your host, Katie Jackson, and today we are going to do a show on guilt. And um, I am on the show today with my uh, with our vice president of Help for HD International, and Katrina Hamill. And so Katrina and I have, uh, this is the uh, third time we're doing this talk. The first two times it has been at actual education days. Um, and we are going to bring this talk in a little bit to um, when we speak at the Huntington Study Group meeting in two weeks. Um, I think that a lot of people don't like talking about grief and guilt because it's hard. Uh, just like suicide, hypersexuality kind of falls into these kind of um, these areas that people don't talk about, uh, but they want it. They do want to talk about it because we're all living them. They're real situations. And if you're having to go through these at a certain time, you feel very much alone and you're not. So I think this talk is very important. Um, And so we will, uh, Katrina and I are going to bounce back and forth together. And um, we've kind of come up with a lot of this together through our talks that we've done all over the United States together, but also our journeys living with HD um, on personal levels, and then also our crossover together being um, not only do we work together, but we are uh, best friends. And so uh, we stood by each other through both of our HD journeys, and, um, and so we've been able to, to kind of figure out a lot of these emotions that we're feeling through each other as well. So... Um, I will start by saying um, guilt is the feeling everyone will feel along the way of their journeys living with HD. The first step is recognizing it. The feeling you are feeling is guilt and learning some self-care techniques to help you through it. Um, I don't know one person that hasn't felt guilt through our journeys, um, and they may not recognize it as guilt. And when we start talking about it, they go, that's exactly what it is. That's what I've been feeling. Um, So I'm going to talk about real quick some examples of guilt that you may feel through your journey of navigating through HD. And I want to make sure that you know we want to talk about um, people living with HD as well as caregivers because both feel guilt for different reasons. And both of them have to be addressed and recognized and help supported through the process of that feeling. So um, the first one um, here is some, some examples of guilt that we may feel. Um, I promised my loved one I would never place them but the, in a care facility, but the caregiving has become too much for me on my own. We hear this all the time, that people in the beginning stages of HD, um, the caregiver says, well, I'll never place you. I'll never, we'll never, we're going to get through this till the very end. HD becomes very complex. 
um, at the end stages of HD, and sometimes they need um, more care than than we're able to provide them. Um, so I always say like that's probably a promise that that we shouldn't make, but um, I do understand why we do. Um, we're trying to bring our loved one comfort at the time. Um, why do I get to enjoy my children's accomplishments while their dad is too sick to attend? And I think that really falls into, you know, a parent or even um, a, a grandparent that is now raising their grandchildren or aunts and uncles. I mean, this falls into everything. But how do you find joy in life when your loved one no longer can, is able to attend these things to feel joy with you? My loved one fell one time and hurt themselves. I just stepped out of the room for one minute. And it wouldn't have happened if I would have been in the room. Um, I think this is, is a big one that we hear a lot. And people blame themselves for their loved one's injuries. Um, I had to tell my spouse, him or her, that they have to stop driving. We all know this is the biggest, biggest, kind of one of the milestones of HD, um, is when you have to take, the, take someone's license away. You're taking away their independence. And that is the hardest, I think that was the hard, one of the hardest decisions I had to make through my journey. And um, my husband was, was very good um, and, and didn't want to drive anymore. So, But I've heard of a lot of problems with people that don't give up their license um, as easily. And that's, that's a hard thing. We now have children at risk of inheriting HD um, now that my partner has tested positive. Um, I think that, that having children is one of the most greatest joys we have in life. And um, I think a lot of guilt comes in when we, um, when we think about our children um, at risk. And um, I do want to kind of talk about um, some things that um, a patient may feel. So um, everyone knows they want to participate in clinical trials. This is a big thing, right? And clinical trials, it says right off the bat that you go into them thinking there's no benefit. Uh, to yourself as being a part of this this trial, it, it is to the you know it's given to the land of research um, to advance uh, future therapies. But but that's hard to think about when we're living with something with HD and there's no treatments or therapies right out there. So um, a lot of times these clinical trials have really strong guidelines, inclusion exclusion criteria. Um, so a lot of times people don't qualify. Um, to be in a clinical trial for one reason or another. And I think when they don't, they feel a lot of guilt. Um, they feel like they let their families down um, and things, things, something completely out of their control. And as you can see, you're going to start seeing a common thread here um, with Katrina and I both speaking, is that uh, none of this is any, and it, it's all out of our control. Um, this is nothing that we've, we have done to the other person or ourselves, but we're still going to feel guilt about it. Another thing is the burden, of course, um, that, that people, uh, sometimes our loved ones feel like they're a burden to us. We as caregivers know they're not a burden to us. We love them. They're our family. Um, but, but there is a feeling of burden, um, I think, a lot of the times with the patients, um, which, is, which is such a hard feeling, and it breaks my heart that they feel that. Um, because if you ask most of their loved ones, they are not. Um, moving on to some, some other things that may happen into the uh, in the household um, is that I had to move out of my bedroom because I couldn't sleep with my partner anymore. This is obviously um, something that happens a lot, and I talk to women um, who, who their, their husbands have HD often and um, because of my husband having Huntington's. And, 
And um, a lot of them will say, um, you know, I, I no longer sleep in bed with my husband, but I don't, I don't, no one knows that because you know, that's your taboo. You're not supposed, you're supposed to sleep with your husband and be a happy marriage. I'm here to tell you that's not the case. I didn't sleep in bed with my husband for two, uh, two years before he went into a care facility for our own reasons, personal reasons. Um, so you can't feel guilt about that because um, there's a lot of us out there that, that don't share um, a bed with our loved one. Um, it doesn't mean we love them any less. It's just sometimes circumstances happen that you have to not share a bed together. Um, I had to make decisions in bringing in hospice for my partner. Um, I think a lot of people, and, and Katrina could speak on this much, much better than I, you know, than I can. But um, hospice is, uh, I think everyone thinks of hospice as my loved one. I'm taking them, I'm bringing in hospice so they can die. And that's just not the case. And um, my husband was on hospice for two years before he passed away. Um, so we bring in hospice for support. But I think there's a huge guilt that comes when you make that call. Um, I love my partner, but I feel guilty when I'm burned out and I just want an HD break. We all want HD breaks. Um, patients want HD breaks. Our loved ones living are at risk. Our children, our caregivers. Everyone wants an HD break. Um, so that is the feeling you should not feel guilty about because I guarantee you as a caregiver you're feeling it, your partner's feeling the same way. So um, uh, I had to make a decision to not treat an infection in my partner and just bring in comfort care. And there's a flip to that too, is that you treated that condition and now you have prolonged their suffering. So this, this is a really interesting thing when it comes to end of life and you have to make these really hard decisions about feeding tubes you have to make hard decisions about treating infections, using pressors, DNRs. There's all these, these very, very hard things you're going to go through. And, and hopefully you and your partner have spoke about these prior to getting to that stage um, because that's a strong conversation that needs to be had um, between um, uh, patient and caregiver um, on wishes. Um, and we've done a lot of shows, if you look at past shows, about how to go about doing that. Um, but I think either way, you're going to feel guilt. I, I felt horrible not treating my husband's infections at the end of his life. I have a friend that feels horrible about treating her husband's infections at the end of life. So no matter what, when that part comes, you're going to feel guilt. You just are. And I think one of the big things is end of life is I want it to be over. The guilt that you want it to be over. And I'm going to bring in like a, like a kind of a little example of that. My children, my daughter um, felt so guilty um, because she wanted her dad to pass away. And she sat with me and she cried and she said, cause she felt so guilty because she didn't want her dad um, to be here anymore. And I sat with her and I said, but why do you not want your dad to be here anymore? And she said, he's suffering mom. I see him. He's suffering. No one should live like this. So I said, you're not, you're not vindictive or mean. You are, you're showing compassion and you're showing mercy because you don't want your dad to suffer anymore. But the guilt that I saw in her face that she felt that was so real and so hard for a 16-year-old to figure out. Um, so I, I tried to help her through that. I'm sure she'll always feel guilt for the rest of her life feeling that feeling. Um, 
but I try to we try to kind of change it that um, it w- it wasn't it wasn't a mean um, thought that she was feeling it was a merciful one. Um, Huntington's disease does not only impact the person with HD that's HD positive; it impacts a family as a whole. So um, the whole entire family is is going to feel grief and feel guilt. Um, we talk about grief as it starts on day of diagnosis, right? Um, so we feel many, many years of guilt and grief and have to be in many, many situations um, that are going to make us feel guilt and grief. So let's talk about some things that may show you that um, you are you are feeling guilt. Um, let's start this by Huntington's disease is not your fault. The pain and suffering your loved one is enduring is not your fault. You are not responsible for your loved one having Huntington's disease Guilt and grief will take a huge impact on your mental health and will often make you feel guilt for things that are completely out of your control. And that also goes for patients. Huntington's disease is not, it's not your fault you have Huntington's disease. It is you are not responsible for that. So, so that goes both, both ways, that statement. But here are some from psychology today when Katrina and I were investigating and really looking up guilt. Um, this is from psychology today of some things you may symptoms that you may have that will show that you are, you are suffering from um, some survivor's guilt or guilt um, itself is having flashbacks, feeling irritable, having difficulty sleeping, feeling um, numb or disconnected, being unmotivated, feeling helpless, having an intense sense of fear, experiencing physical symptoms such as headaches, stomach aches, or even heart populations, and having suicidal feelings. So um, why does this have to be addressed? For, for many reasons, no one wants to live with these um, symptoms, but also um, the, the, the last one, of course, having, feelings, uh, having suicidal feelings. We know um, lots of caregivers that have, um, have committed suicide as well as, as our, our um, people living with HD or at risk that have committed suicide. Um, so maybe we need to take all of these that may be happening to our mental health and address them and seek help for them um, because to feel that helpless and hopeless is something we don't want anyone to feel. Um, so how do, we, how do we help? How do we make ourselves, including myself, because I have felt extreme guilt, especially since my husband has passed away. Um, so let's talk about some ways of maybe we can get some self-help. Um, it is not logical for someone to feel responsible for another person's fate. The guilt is something we don't have control over. Always remember survivor's guilt is a normal response to loss. You are not alone. There are many individuals out there trying to manage life and symptoms of survivor's guilt. So here are some things maybe that can help you cope. Uh, give yourself time to grieve. Consider thinking about who is really responsible. responsible. And in our case, in our HD communi- community, if anyone, which is no one, Huntington's is responsible, not an individual. Remember to take care of yourself physically and mentally. Be an advocate and try to help others. That is the number one thing um, that Katrina and I uh, talk about all the time. Without our community and without our advocacy, we don't know where we would be. Remind yourself that you are not alone. We are a very large community. Um, Be patient. Give yourself a break. Um, And know that this is a normal response of the grief process. So grief doesn't mean after someone passes away. Grief means day of diagnosis. 
So this is a normal response to the grief process. Um, share your feelings with those you trust. I cannot stress this enough. Family, friends, and if you don't have anyone you trust within that circle, you have a big community you can trust because we definitely have each other's backs. Uh, try to stick to a daily routine. And I think this is really important. Document the way you're feeling. Write it down. So that way, if you need to get professional help, you will be able to tell them exactly how you've been feeling. Um, I know that sometimes feelings are so intense. We're like, we'll never forget this feeling. Just like we'll never forget our child's first word or our child's birth weight. Or you know, we always think these, these huge, impactful things we'll never forget, and we do. We do forget them. So um, make sure that you guys write, uh, make sure you write down any feelings that you're having. Um, and I'm going to end by stressing this so, so huge, is that if you think about hurting yourself or hurting others, please, please reach out for help because there is so much help out there and no, and no one wants to feel like that and no one wants anyone to feel like that. Finally, um, you don't move on from grief. You move forward. And um, I think that's a really important um, statement from Nora uh, McClurry, who, who did a TED Talk, that a lot of us, when our loved ones pass away, we do move forward. Um, and the guilt of that moving forward, if we've lost a child, a niece, a nephew, an aunt, an uncle, a spouse, a parent, um, sometimes that, that, that guilt of moving forward will eat you up. But you're not moving forward. You're not moving on. You're just moving forward. You'll always carry your loved ones with you. You are never moving on from your loved ones. So remember that. In the future decisions, you carry them with you. You carry the journey with you. Um, so I think I'm going to pass it over to Katrina Hamill uh, for her to talk about guilt. Hi, everyone. I'd like to start off by um, just saying that I am going to kind of tell a little bit of my own personal um, guilt story, so to speak. And I'd like to start off by saying a quote um, from Stephen Hawking. The human capacity is such that people can always find ways to blame themselves. And isn't this true? Anytime something has happened with any of my loved ones that have HD, um, you know, I, I have found ways to blame myself, to feel guilty about it. And, and that depends on on nothing, meaning I, in every situation, whether it be my brother fell or my mom became homeless, no matter what it is, the guilt has, has definitely ridden on my shoulders. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about past guilt in my own personal um, life. And um, so back in 2015, my mom was not in contact with her family. She was homeless and struggling out of the state. Um, and this is also the time when I had discovered that Huntington's disease is genetic and that I, I didn't have HD. So I um, had heard about Huntington's and kind of through the grapevine of, you know, descriptions of my grandmother, um, I knew that it existed, but I didn't know um, that it was a genetic disease and I didn't know my mom was at risk or that I was at risk or my siblings for that matter. Um, so I, I definitely had a lot of guilt, and I'm sure a lot of people in the community feel this when they, they test negative, um, kind of the, the why me, why am I so lucky to, to have um, been tested negative. So um, that's one of, definitely one of my biggest um, battles with guilt 
is just knowing that I don't have to go through what so many people have to go through that I love. Um, so in 2009, my mom came home to live with me um, so I could care for her. When she came back, she was all, already very um, unable to care for herself. So that was quite difficult in, in the realm of guilt. I felt like I should have reached out sooner, that I should have found her sooner, even though I had searched for her for years. Um, there's still, you play over scenarios in your head of what possibly, you know, could have been happening to her or what you actually had heard was happening to her. Um, so that's definitely a difficult one to go through um, and to, to think about. Like, even to this day, I think about the different things she had to battle while um, being sick. Um she, she definitely didn't like to be taken care of. And so there was a lot of um, separation between caregiver and daughter. Um, you know, I, I wasn't daughter anymore. I was definitely caregiver. And there's guilt that comes along with that in the way of you not being able to just be, you know, loving towards your mom and just being able to have that mother-daughter relationship, um, but just having to, to focus on the needs of, of her and the household. Um, so in 2012, um, my mom went through um, a situation in public. She would only go out into public once or twice um, a month once she became, you know, um, very difficult. She wasn't on medication. She had a lot of psychiatric issues and um, very, very strong uh, chorea. So that combination made it to where she, she just preferred to stay at home. And um, one incident had her, um, you know, thrashing around in public in, in a public store and, you know, the police were called and things like that. And so basically they had told me that if I don't have my mom placed or, you know, under control, basically, then they would have to involve uh, protective services for my children because they, they knew my children lived in the house. So there's a whole lot of guilt that comes into that with just having to make that decision that, that yes, my mom can probably get better care in a facility um, because I was unable to get her to a doctor um, to receive proper care. And this was, of course, due to her um, psychiatric issues that she was battling and the fact that she didn't believe she had Huntington's. Um, so, you know, all of this, all of this, having to place her business was, was difficult. You know, I remember vividly seeing her in the police car and pulling away. Um, you know, they were going to take her to the hospital to check her out, but she was in a, in a police car. Um, and she, just the look on her face is embedded into my mind. Um, and, and that will live with me forever. That's, that's some serious guilt, but when I really kind of get myself out of the guilt and kind of talk myself through it, it definitely comes back to this is what was best for her. This is what was best for my children. Um, so in, after, after she was placed, um, she eventually came back to later, later in that year, she, she eventually came back to, um, to our County and was able to stay at a, um, a place called Sarah House in Santa Barbara, California. That is a hospice care home who does excellent care. Um, and she was able to pass away there with 
um, three of her children and my children um, present. So um, in 2013, my older brother, Kevin, tested positive and was already showing some um, minor symptoms as far as depression and little um, involuntary movements. Very, very small at that point. And in 2016, Kevin got into a head-on car accident. Um, that was most definitely his fault. And at that point, of course, the guilt kicked in again. And I'm thinking, should I have taken away his license or should I have tried to take away his license? Because I didn't even try. Um, and in 2016, I just, I don't know if it was that I was, I was blind to it or that I just kind of didn't notice or that it wasn't even that bad. I don't, I don't know what happened then, but I do know that um, the guilt is strong. I feel like, thankfully, nobody was hurt, but I feel like um, something could have been done prior to him having to lose his license in that way. So currently, um, I am Kevin's caregiver and um, will continue to do so as long as it is safe for him and myself. And as Katie mentioned, something that's very difficult is that you know, you want to promise your loved one the world. You want to promise them, I'll never place you. I'll never place you. And um, I, I've learned through both my career as a caregiver and, and hospice caregiver um, that that's just something you have to really be aware of, that you don't want to have the guilt of promising something and having to take that promise away. Um, for my brother, we sat down and I, I asked him what his wishes were as far as is going into a care home. And he said he would like to not go into a care home unless he had to. And so the promise I made him was very clear. I said, I promise to keep you home at your house or home with me um, for as long as I can, as long as it's safe for, for him and myself and my children. So it isn't a promise of I will do this no matter what, but more of I will do it until I can no longer handle it or till you can no longer handle it, which I think the wording is key um, just so that even if they don't properly remember what the promise was, at least you aren't left with the guilt of feeling like you had promised them something and had to take that away. So um, often now I think about um, how – I like how I'll be able to continue caring for Kevin. Will I be able to continue caring for Kevin as, as life goes on and as he gets sicker, um, you know, he falls a lot. He's, he's having difficulties with choking right now and um, needing majority of his food either blended or um, very, very soft. So we're kind of at this stage of things are changing and they're changing pretty quickly. So um, just, I always think about, you know, am I doing enough? Am I doing the right thing? Um, is he getting proper care? And all of those things just harbor guilt. It's just natural. It is what it is. And, and we're working through it as we slowly move on um, or move through, I should say, move through this, this disease and how it's affecting him. Um, I have a lot of guilt about um, my two at-risk brothers and their children. And I think about them frequently as far as, like, my children, because I am negative, my children are negative. And so I have a lot of guilt just thinking about how my brothers will, um, you know, how they will test, 
how their children were pressed and how um, how guilty I will feel if any of them don't receive the same testing as I do. Um, so I, um, I also feel guilt about um, the experiences my brother will miss out on, Kevin. Um, I, I, I feel a lot of guilt about the things that he won't be able to enjoy, that I will be able to enjoy. Same as with what Katie was saying about, you know, why is, why is um, you know, one spouse able to enjoy the upbringing of their children versus um, the other spouse. And for me, I feel it's similar, not the same, but similar between siblings where I will be able to um, enjoy life with my children and go through all of their milestones and watch them grow and, you know, turn into, you know, adults and all of those things that my brother really enjoys. He's, he's definitely their number one fan. So um, I feel a lot of guilt when I know that I, um, I get to enjoy this, you know, quote unquote forever, you know, as long as they're children. Um, now he is, he shows up at every game. He shows up at um, every award ceremony, every little play, everything. He, he asks to come, I pick him up and he comes. And so I, I definitely feel guilt about the days when I, there's things that he just can't um, physically handle. And then therefore, you know, I don't invite him. And there's a lot of guilt there. Like during the day while it's happening, I feel like, man, I really wish my brother was here, but he just can't be here with us. And so, you know, it's, there's a lot of guilt that goes into the fact that no matter how bad he wants to, it's just some things that we have to either limit for his safety or, just kind of, you know, not invite him to. So I, I try not to share all of my happiness with him. And I know that's not fair to him. And I know that's not something he would choose to have it be that way. But I know that I have a lot of guilt when I'm, when I'm sharing in the happiness of those days that he had to miss out on. So, um, and, and again, back to, to having, you know, my own children, I, I have a lot of guilt thinking about the fact that he won't be married and he won't have children um he is he's kind of you know not necessarily decided that and said it outwardly but he's definitely not interested and he's kind of in the point of needing um, a lot of physical um help so I just I know that that isn't going to be in his future which is very very hard for his little sister to, to think about um so as far as the future um all of all of the guilt I've I've mentioned is still felt on a daily basis. Um, I carry this guilt wherever I am, and I and I likely likely will continue to do so. Um, most of us do in this community. It's just kind of again is what it is, and we do our both our best to to work through those situations and those feelings of guilt. Um, but it's always there. And when I think of guilt um, that is felt within our community. Um, it's overwhelming, and, and it really does need to be talked about and understood, and, um, you know, sometimes it needs to definitely be talked with in our community, like we um, need to talk to each other. We need to talk about the guilt we're feeling, and even if it's just to vent and relieve it, um, it's, it, it may not change the fact that we still feel the guilt, but it's very important to lean on the community and to even lean on people who are not in the HD community people who you really trust and that you, you can share this information with and, and, um, and help to get support is, is super important. Um, 
in in the future, I definitely see myself realistically um, feeling guilt of if my my siblings all have HD, then I would be the only child left, and that's that's a big, heavy, heavy feeling of guilt, um, and and it's kind of so far from my mind just because my brothers haven't tested, and so I'm not always just this negative person of thinking like, oh, we're all doomed. Um, but it's definitely in the back of my mind of of um, the what ifs or anything like that. Um, and I definitely feel guilt on a daily of me being negative and knowing that there are so many tests to come that will be in the positive range. Um, that that gives me a lot of, of heartache for sure and a lot of guilt over me, um, you know, being on the other end of that spectrum. So, um, <clears throat> so I know in our community we have – uh, people with different gene statuses, you know, caregivers, families, friends, supportive team members, all who have experienced some sort of guilt from each perspective. In my experience, I find guilt to be a challenge. There are days I can't manage to get out of bed. I can't manage to have a clear mind to put one foot in front of the other. I really struggle with that personally. Um, and I know that as a caregiver, I have to do my best to take care of myself so that I can, can, can continue to be the best caregiver that I can be. Um, but I also know that it's very hard to prioritize my own self-care. Um, so each of us in this community, no matter your gene status, no matter why you're impacted by HD, we have to work hard each day. Um, to try, just try, to lean on your community, to try and um, know that this guilt, guilt that you're feeling is 100% um, felt through and through, through all different perspectives. And um, just to make sure to do your best to try and take care of yourself. And, and that's, that's all I have to say about um, our community and, and the guilt that I've felt. So thank you for listening yeah so I think that um, the way can uh, Katrina finished it is is the most important thing we want to come out of this this show and this talk um, that we do is that lean on each other and seek support um, we don't want anyone to feel alone in this because you're not alone um, and so lean on your community and get the support you need um, to get you through this journey, because this is a hard journey, as we all know, listening and living it. Um, all of our listeners that are living it, it's, 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 it's very hard. Um, it's a very hard journey, but we do have each other. So definitely reach out. Um, I think that's it. I think we can wrap the show up. Um, we went uh, longer than we expected. So I think uh, that is perfect. Uh, anything else, Katrina, that you could think of? No, I think that's that's perfect. Yeah, I think we're good. So, yeah, and we have so we have two of the 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 planners on the the radio show. Is there anything else that you could think of about Hope for HD? We have our holiday program coming out, um, so I think that's a big one that um, 
will be announced in the next couple weeks. Um, we do have funding for that, which is really exciting, um, that we're going to be able to provide that for our community again this year. So watch close. Make sure you follow us on all social media platforms as well as get on our email list. I say this over and over again. I know uh, Katrina does too. We never ask for money. We never do like fundraising campaigns through our email um, list. We really are just giving support and resources that we are providing. So make sure you add yourself to that list um, through our website uh, because then you will get the announcements of our programs um, that are coming out. Um, anything else, Katrina? Um, no, but if you're if we're talking about if we're talking about adding onto social media, we are trying to um, add all videos onto YouTube, which will obviously take some time because it takes a lot of time to upload videos. Um, but just mm -hmm. uh, subscribe to our channel so that you guys can get more in-depth um, talks from professionals as well as family stories, um, and also yeah. that we are starting to plan. 2020 as far as events are concerned and our education days and things like that. So if you have any ideas or requests, you're always welcome to send them our way um, at helpforhd.org and you can message us and, and let us know of the needs um, in your community and we will do our best to um, provide support. Yeah, absolutely. And you can make all um, requests for hype days because we are still thinking of hype days, but symposium is now locked in uh, 100%. So we will be going to Orlando, Florida next year, and we are very excited. We have um, very a big community out that. there. Yeah, and uh, yes, we are we are excited to come. Um, we've been asked to come for a couple of years now, so we have um, we are definitely on our way to see our friends out there. And, um, and bring great education, and um, hopefully we have um, funds to be able to bring in our, uh, our, uh, some of our community that wants to join that event. So we are very excited, Orlando, Florida, 2020, October. And, um, yep, and we, we, will have, we will do a couple hype days next year as well. So definitely keep in communication with us. Um, I think that's it. So until next week, everyone take care of yourself, and uh, we will see you next week, same time, same place.